0: Uh, it's good to be together this morning. Thank you guys for uh, uh, making the sacrifice. Thank you for being here. Thank you for um, you are you are just a joy to your elders. Um, when I um, share with my friends, we, we had the the men's conference last weekend and um, how many of you guys were able to go to that conference? Yeah, good number of you guys. Um, I was talking to Scott Christmas over there who has been at Northwest for now um, a little over a year, about a year and a half, and talking with Rick Holland. and They ask, you know, how's it going? And I tell them that there's, you know, like 50 guys signed up for BUILD. He did, they did, You know, that's like a dream come true for them. They're new in their two churches, and um, they're just so eager to, to be at a place and a time where they can have their men just be, like you guys, just eager to come together, uh, to put yourself in front of the Word of God, and um, to walk humbly with each other. And uh, Lord, it's just I just want you to know you're an encouragement to your elders. And um, yeah, I I'm just excited to be here. It's good to be here. So let's turn our notebooks over. Let's do what we always do, and let's remember the six disciplines. And it always starts with what? The heart. And what is the heart? What's another way of describing the heart? The inner man. It's who you are inwardly, right? It's not a piece of you. It's not a part of you. It's you, but you inwardly. If you die, your body goes into the grave, and your heart, your inner man, continues. Uh, the outer man is decaying, but the inner man is being renewed. Um So, that's your inner man. So, we're talking about shepherding you. But shepherding who you are inwardly before God. God um, Where God deals with you is not, first and foremost, with the exterior, but with the internal. Um, Especially in the gospel. That's where he brings his change, right? Not from the outside in, but from the inside, outward. Um, And so, we're talking about shepherding who you are inwardly before God. You now have an ability to do that that you never had before, before you believed Christ. Because before, your inner man was not concerned at all for God, it wasn't concerned at all for His Son Jesus, it wasn't concerned at all for the Word of God. In fact, all that you were inwardly was what you were outwardly, which was a rebel from inside to out. and um, You had no capacity to lead yourself. In fact, you couldn't even hear another voice contrary to your own. You, you just thought the thoughts that you thought and you had the ideas that you had and you had the strategies that you had and it was all about you. It came from you. It was for you. It was unto you. Um, it was all about you. The interesting thing happens when you become a new creature in Christ, now there's another voice. And now you, you have the Spirit of God within you and now the Word of God can richly dwell within you. And you have a new man, also inwardly, that has a capacity to shepherd itself. You now, for the first time, can go, that thought wasn't right, Mm -hmm. and that deed was right. You now have a capacity to understand what's going on inside you. Not perfectly, but you have a capacity to uh, address, to lead, to guide, to shepherd you. Um, And that is an infinitely better person to be than who you were before and it's nothing yet compared to who you will be when he comes back or when you die right Um, finally you'll be in that unmixed condition in which you'll never have to shepherd yourself again there will not be a stray thought there will not be a, a rebellious ounce of anything within you anywhere everything will be in complete alignment with Jesus and his will and the father's will for your life um, that day is coming. That day is not today. Today there's this shepherding that must go on. Right? And so that's what it's all about. Is is we're, we're trying to gather the in of the church together to say, look, let's recognize what God has done for us in the gospel. And, and let's shepherd our hearts. Let's lead our own hearts um, to the word of God. Primarily so that we can see the one that we have been recreated to love and adore and Serve and worship and fear and obey um, and enjoy. So that's what you do. You start there. Shepherd your heart to the precious words of God to get the God who wrote the words to reveal himself. Everything flows from there. Labor towards that the rest of your life. And by the way, every labor you put into it will be imperfect. What I'm going to show you today and put before you is is imperfect. It's... um, but labor at this regardless of the imperfections the rest of your life and the other things will come into play they, they will. you will be positioned to, for faithfulness and, and you'll find ways to take faithful steps forward in obedience to God in all of the different areas of your life in your household, outside your household at work, um, in your entertainment in your play, everything you do but you can't play leapfrog over your own heart um, and that's just what sinners do And especially that's what sinful men do. Men just neglect themselves. Um, And I don't mean that in a psychological babble way. But neglecting yourself in the sense of not caring for your soul with the word of God. You do that, then the the next thing you need to do is, and simultaneous with that, is you need to step into your household and you need to make an impact um, with that kind of character and nature. there needs to be a sense in your household that that man is all about the Word of God. Those of you, if, if, if there are any of you here that are still at home, living, or if you've got other family living with you and you're maybe on the younger side, look, it's, you're at a time in life where now you need to... Your dad or your mom, whoever's older than you, needs to, to be distracted at times going, that young man... Is is leaving a gospel aroma in my house. That that young man is is um he, he's he's leading with God's word. That needs to happen. And obviously, if you're married, um, your wife needs to to feel protected by the way that you shepherd your heart. Uh, she needs to be blessed by that. She needs to be um, guided by that. Led by that. There just needs to be an aroma, an impact made on the home. And listen, sinners love to leapfrog their homes. Sinful men especially love to leapfrog their homes. That's just what we do well without even trying. We just do it. We don't have to get up and say, My strategy today, I promise, resolved to neglect my heart and my house. Now, do nothing and you'll just do that. Don't think about that and you'll just do it. That's just this condition we're in, right? Praise God, he's opened our eyes, given us a new capacity to see that we do do that, and now we can actually, by the power of God in the gospel, with his indwelling spirit, with the word of God, we can fight against that, right? So don't neglect your household. As you're doing and taking care of your heart and you're stepping into your household, you are also simultaneously stepping into ministry opportunities inside the church and outside the church. Uh, And primarily, your main tool is that you're using as you minister to people is the gospel. Um, You're bringing the gospel to bear on every situation you're in. Um, The man who is doing that is laboring in a small group at Grace Bible Church to bring the gospel to bear on other people's lives in his small group. The man who is doing that, who is also shepherding his heart and who is caring for his home, will be seen and found by the men and the women around him who are being cared by him. He'll be seen as a man of integrity. What that man is when he's with me is what he is when he's at home. And uh, that's who he is before God when nobody's watching. And um, that's where now the church really becomes strong. Because the church is only as strong as the men are in the church in regards to their godliness and holiness of life and desire for Jesus. So. Yeah, this is about you. We want you to benefit. But um, as elders of a local church, our desire is that the body of Christ would be seen to be the glorious thing that it is. Uh, It is the launch pad for the gospel in the world. And if you guys are not taken care of and are not taking care of yourselves, well, the gospel suffers in this world. Because God's intent is not that the gospel go forward through individuals alone, but through individuals who are actually members of Christ's body. And as each individual part works, Ephesians 4.16, the body grows. And the body becomes everything that it's supposed to become. You've got to take care of you. So that when you, taking care of you, comes into contact with somebody else who's taking care of themselves, the body grows. Okay. We're pointing in the fourth discipline to the qualifications. Uh, we kind of push it through the deacon qualification towards the elder qualification. We spend the bulk of our time really just focusing on the deacon qualifications I don't know if that's ever been something that you've ever even thought of. Uh, you probably not even have, a, maybe have a category for deacons, or maybe the idea you have of deacons is not the idea that you hope the Bible's talking about, that you've, you, know, what you've seen in the church in regards to ca- what a deacon is, is please, God, don't let your Bible be saying that. Because I saw the way the deacons were. I mean, I've had experiences of that. I mean, I, don't, I think over the years I've been in, I think, nine different churches. Um, and I think I've seen nine different ways of doing deacons and um, we're going to spend some time talking about that this year Um, we did that a little bit when we were in Acts um, but we'll kind of go back through that but I don't know if it ever crossed your mind that you should focus yourself actually on those qualifications that you should aim for those qualifications that you should prayerfully plead with God God make me into that kind of man let me be a servant leader that the elders would love to turn to and say lead this care for these people solve this problem so that we can continue to go after the Word of God in prayer without distraction. We need men like you. Um, so we're going to aim you at those deacon qualifications. Fifth discipline is the hermeneutic, which is the way of interpreting Scripture. Everything else you do and think theologically, guys, is fruit of this root. Your hermeneutic, your way of interpreting Scripture, is... Bears fruit. You have a way of interpreting Scripture right now. You may not even be able to summarize what it is that you do, but you do what you do when you come to the Word of God. And um, it bears fruit. You have theological fruit. You've got practical ministry fruit. You see, you do the things and you talk to people and you care for people uh, based on the way that you've interpreted Scripture, what you've seen there. And what we want to do is we want to say, Uh, let's before we inspect the fruit let's go make sure the root is right because that will take care of bad fruit Okay, so we're going to go and look at um, how do you want to interpret the Bible Um, you want to read it from left to right you want to let each passage speak for itself Uh, you don't want to hover over a text it's really easy to do that well Paul says blah 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 blah. that sounds authoritative You you quote Paul, watch out, right? Uh, Well, where did Paul say that? Uh, 1 Corinthians says that. Great. Where? Well, 1 Corinthians 5 is all about that. Really? Where? You, You push yourself, force yourself to get to specific words and construction of language and everything like that. You don't want somebody just generally quoting you. Omri says, I've heard Omri a hundred times say, And Omri's already going, when did I say that? Right? You don't like it when people do that to your words, when they hover over your words and reinterpret your words and take them out of your context that you didn't intend. You're the author of those words. You're the one who meant what you meant when you said it. And it was clear in your mind what you wanted. And and you want them to honor that, right? Let's give God the same courtesy with his word. And let's treat his words like we treat all words. Um, We don't want to hover. We want to get into them. And lastly, you're at Grace Bible Church, Discipline 6. So we're going to focus you in at the end of the year. We'll meet together with the ladies. It's one of my favorite times because what you've been doing all year, uh, when they get to the end of their year, what they've been doing all year, there's as many guys as there are here. There's that many women down in Barnes Hall right now. We'll we'll put ourselves all together, and we'll talk about the vision and the purpose of Grace Bible Church. And it will be a great great way to finish the year. All right, so that's that. Let me um, give you a... uh, point your attention to a handout I gave you guys. I'll just let you read it. I'm not going to read it to you, but I found it to be an interesting article on preaching the gospel to yourself. Do you see that? The shelf life on preaching the gospel to yourself. This is um, maybe one of the dangers of a group of, of men or, or a church rediscovering the um, the gospel and the idea of preaching the gospel to yourself is that, man, you're just talking about the gospel all of the time, or maybe you're, you're looking at gospel passages specifically, and maybe that's all you're doing. And I don't want to make it sound like that's bad. But what, what this author is trying to, to point out is that um, the gospel is never to be separated away from the scriptures, all of them, from Genesis to Revelation, or for you, Genesis to Revelation this way. Um, the gospel needs to always be anchored down into its scriptural context, okay? And so what he's trying to do is say, look, maybe maybe what happened for a long time is the church read the Bible a lot, but they didn't focus enough on the gospel. That would be bad, right? Um, because the gospel is like the crown jewel of the Bible. Um, to read the Bible, but to not really focus in on the crown jewel of the Bible, that would be unfortunate to do. Maybe that's what happened for a long time with the evangelical church. The danger we have to be careful of now is what? The gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. But what are we now neglecting? The word word of God in its totality. And so what he's saying is, look, if you pluck the gospel from the Bible and put it on the shelf and keep coming back to it, it's like a piece of fruit. It's gonna, it has a shelf life. And the way that you keep the Gospel fresh in your life is by, yes, reviewing it, but reviewing it as it is connected in Scripture. And So it's, just a, it's a good um, article. It'll stretch you a little bit. To, and it also just underscores why we want you to read through the Bible in a year. We want you to read through the Bible as you're focusing on the Gospel. Those two things need to be always going on in your life the rest of your life. Uh, whether it takes you a year to read through the Bible or two years to read through the Bible or five years to read through the Bible, okay? All right. And then I want to focus you on your homework. I I just want to go over that real quick. I kind of want to get all the other things out of the way before we go off into small groups here. But the blue sheet, uh, you'll, you'll notice that what we've been spending time on on the first page of all of your homework is taking a section of Psalm 119, eight verses at a time, You've recognized, I'm sure, that Psalm 119 is broken down into eight verses at a time. And it's uh, in as many sections as there are Hebrew letters of the alphabet, uh, the Hebrew alphabet. And um, we're just trying to do some basic observations there as as we read. So the first page will be focusing on Psalm 119, verses 17 to 24. That's due November 17th, two weeks from now. If you turn over to the back... Uh, Now we're going to, instead of having you just like read through Psalm 103 and Psalm 145 and just list all of the attributes you can find of God that are listed there, all of his characteristics, now we're going to focus you in on one specific attribute of God. We're going to focus first on the sovereignty of God in general. Um, And so we're going to take you to about five or six different passages. Uh, Make sure that as you do that, you read the the entire context so that when you look at Psalm 115, verse 3, you're not just looking at our God is in the heavens, he does whatever he pleases. Got it. Read the whole thing. See what's going on there and see what else you can gain from that and, and answer those questions, okay? So what we're doing here with the, with this homework is we're saying, look, when we're giving you homework that's intentionally trying to, as you open the Word of God, you're looking for the God of the Word. You're trying to discover things about the God of the Word. Now, there's many other things that you need to discover when you're in the Word of God. Sometimes, depending on the passage you're in, what it's primarily revealing to you is what man is like. Romans 1. And you need to see that too. But these assignments are, are trying to just get you into a, a discipline and a pattern of focusing in on, on God and his, his nature, His character. So I hope you'll take advantage of those homework assignments and that you're uh, putting some good effort in on those. Uh, the worksheet for today is... is um, what we're going to do now is very different than what we've done... Um, so far, uh, we can talk an awful lot about shepherd your heart, shepherd your heart, shepherd your heart. Um, that means you need to come to the Word of God to get the God of the Word, and, and it means that you hear us talking about, well, you need to pray while you're doing that. And, and what I really want to do today is, is uh, something that I haven't done in years past. Um, I, I want there to be something more tangible today, where we actually just talk about what is this? spiritual discipline because it's not the same thing as the spiritual discipline of being in the word uh, I think that's the way people talk about it and, and because I mean something more than that and it's not the same thing as the spiritual discipline of praying um, because it, this shepherding your heart means more than that it, it really incorporates um, two things which is the word and prayer together and um, so what I want to do is I want to um, just kind of walk through what, what it might look like, give you some possibilities. Maybe this this by no means today is a, hey, we're telling you how to do it, I'm telling you how to do it, and you better do it this way. I have no desire for that. I would rather walk you over to a an outlook point and say, here are some possibilities, and have you go, oh. Yeah, and you know what, that gives me ideas of what I need to do. That's, that's what I'm after, and so hopefully this will not lock you into something small, um, like you have to do what I'm talking about here, but maybe it just gives you ideas of ways that you can develop the spiritual discipline in your life. But before we do that, let's pray, and let's ask God for help. Lord, we do need your help this morning as we um, just try to talk about what it might look like to On a daily basis, shepherd our hearts to you um, through your word and in prayer. And Lord, I am so imperfect in this, um, so incomplete in this. I have so much room to grow, and I pray, God, that you would um, work through my weaknesses and not let them be a hindrance to these men. But Lord, make us into men who we, we discipline ourselves to do this, to be active in this on a daily basis. And Father, I pray that you would give each man creativity and um, insight on how to do this that best fits who they are in you. And uh, Lord, may these just be ideas that um, provoke them to greater ideas. Um, Don't let any of this restrain the men, but only provoke them to more. More thought, and um, so God, we ask for this help in Your Son's precious name. Amen. All right, I'm going to give you some key ingredients. Are you ready to write down? Obviously, in the spiritual discipline of shepherding your heart, the key ingredient is the Bible. You got to have your Bible open. You got to have your iPad open. You got to have your phone on wherever you wherever you do your your Bible reading. By the way, how many of you your reading of the Bible is is almost solely electronic? The rest of you mark these out and confront them later. <laughs> I think that's great. Um, I think that I think that's great. How many of you never see yourself going electronic and reading your Bible? Never. Yeah. Well, I mean, like for, like for your quiet time, you're probably always going to have pages and yeah. <laughs> the remnant. <laughs> Uh, you can see who, who 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 lived. Except it's interesting seeing some of you young guys say, "I'm, I'm going to read my Bible that way." Teach his own. Listen. When when they, um, when they when they when the EMP happens though, and your electronic device doesn't work, you come over to my house. I got some Bibles for you. Okay. You walk over to my house, and I'll give you a Bible. Um. Okay, so your Bible's a key ingredient. Obviously, prayer is a key ingredient in what we're talking about. So that's the second one. I'm talking about the key ingredients here. Um, and I think you need a, a third key ingredient is some way to write down ideas. So either a, a log or a journal or an, a, an app. Something, you know, on your, um, your handheld device. A journal. Um, you know something where you can write down ideas, where you can um, chase thoughts. Uh, we'll talk about something else you can do. With, with. It's always good to have something that you can write down a thought on. Maybe a write-out of prayer. You're, you're taking notes as you're studying through, as you're reading through the Bible and you're noticing the sovereignty of God and you come across another passage, you write that down, whatever. you know. Another key ingredient, you need time. Look, guys, <coughs> shepherding your heart is not something you can do on the way through traffic to work. Yeah, you can. And you can shepherd your heart at any time. But, you know, what we're talking about is not trying to fit it in in between the spaces of the day, but actually carving out time in the morning, afternoon, evening, whatever for you, you know, carve that time out. It does take time. Another key ingredient is organization. Uh, you've got to organize and you've got to strategize. Um, everything that matters to you, you plan for it. You may not sit down with a piece of paper, and you may not sit down with a, you know, a flowchart app type thing, and and uh, you know plan out what it is. But you give thought to what matters in your life. But we wonder why it's so hard to pray when we don't organize, we don't strategize, we don't think about what, how, how do I tackle this thing? Um, another key ingredient: reevaluation. Guys, um, try anything. Try something to carve out time and go, here's the best thought I have. It's going to be one, two, three, and four. I'm going to do that. And you do that for about three days and you're just like, this does not, I don't know what I was thinking, but I said I would do it. I got to keep doing it. I can't stop. No, reevaluate and try something different. Be flexible. Uh, That's the next key ingredient, flexibility. Flexibility. Um, Don't feel like you're locked into any one thing to do in terms of the components that you put into the spiritual discipline of shepherding your heart. Don't feel like you can't change what you've implemented. Add variety. You should tempt yourself back to this discipline with something new. Look, after a while, it it can get old. Not it getting old. Something happens in you that you don't perceive it to have the greatness that it had. Find something to tempt you to come back. Bring some variety into your spiritual discipline of shepherding your heart. And um, focus. Key ingredient is focus. Um, you got to be focused. Um, and here's where I, Rick Holland brought up a great um, little tactic to do. When you're praying, keep a piece of paper or keep you a know, spot on your... Handheld device or whatever that you can, when you get distracted about a thought of the day, what did he say to do? Write it down. Write it down and leave it on the paper and get back to what you were doing. And because usually you can chase that thing down a rabbit trail in your mind, and next thing you know, you've taken five, ten minutes and you're distracted by that, and now you've got more inclination to do this because you rabbit trailed. You're like, well, I, I, I got something, I'm done. And then you move on and, and, no, write it down, set it aside, trust that you'll remember what it is that you wrote down and get back to praying and reading and pursuing God. Um, you want to write down those distractions that creep into your spiritual discipline here. Um, write it down and leave it alone. Okay? So those are just some key ingredients. You'll you'll need more than that, I'm sure. Now, let me give you, I'm going to give you some focal points. Um and I and I stress some uh, again. I don't I don't want you to feel like you know there's any type of expectation that you need to do this while you're praying. I, I'm going to share with you many of the things that I do when I carry out the spiritual discipline of shepherding my heart each day. Um, and I want to help you think about this. Obviously, I put the days of the week up um, on the board. Um, one of the key Components of spiritual discipline, of the spiritual discipline of shepherding your heart, is is reading your Bible, right? We're ta- that's what we're talking about. You're coming to the Word of God. So I think, okay, well, what day do I want to do that? Uh, well, I want to do it every day, right? So I'm gonna put that on every single one of these, right? I, w- I want it to happen every day. Now, whether or not it actually ends up happening every day, um, You know that may be a a different thing. So this is I'm trying to give you an idea of of how to organize your the spiritual discipline. So far I've told you absolutely nothing that you don't already know. The Bible. Right? And let's say you miss Friday. What can you do? Well, take Sunday, and before you turn the game on, take the time that it takes to get caught up. Let Sunday be a catch-up day. Or if you want to see something really unspiritual, take one day off and plan that one day is a catch-up day or you redouble on one day or whatever. Don't tell anybody I said that. <laughs> okay, but the reality is if you go from, you know, being radically inconsistent in reading your Bible, like maybe a couple of days a week, one or two days a week, it is much better to read five days a week consistently than not to to keep doing what you're doing, Right? So just push yourself. Let the discipline grow. So you're going to need to read your Bible now. I want to talk about your motivation. Number one, here's some things to focus on. The motivation for coming before God with my Bible open. Why? You need to have a good answer to this question. Um, Why am I here? You you wake up in the morning. You rub the sleep out of your eyes. You open your Bible. You get your reading plan out in front of you. You got your cup of coffee or whatever it is that you have. And you're sitting there, you need to ask yourself the question, why am I here? If you jump into it without answering that question having a good answer for the question, you're going to miss out a whole lot. So can I give you some motivations for coming before God with my Bible open? I have to have good answers to this question. Why am I coming before you in prayer with my Bible open, God? Number one, only because of your saving grace in my life through the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's only one primary reason why I'd even be here, and it's your grace to me in the gospel. You changed me, and I want this word. I don't feel like it always, but I want this word. Jeff?
1: Um, We're finding that I I think the best way to do that is before you go to the word, pray accurately.
0: What do you mean accurately?
1: Um, Pray to God and look at his attributes Mm. and... Good. what He has for
0: us. Yeah, that's good. Absolutely. Yeah, this is what we're talking about. You're answering this question prayerfully. I mean, you're ta- I, I put it in the phrase of like you're saying it to God. Why am I coming before you in prayer with my Bible open, God? Well, first, only because of your grace to me in the Gospel. Number two, I am coming before you to worship you. God, I'm here to worship you. Third, I'm coming to grow in my knowledge of you. I want to know you. That's why I'm here, God, this morning with my Bible open. That's why I'm praying to you right now. I want to know you. Fourth motivation, I'm here to express my love for you. I want this time in the Word right now and in prayer with you to be an expression to you of my love for you. I love you. Fifthly, I'm here to express enjoyment and delight in you. I delight in you. This is my enjoyment of you. Maybe it'll be the best expression all day, God, of my enjoyment of you. Why am I coming before you in prayer with my Bible open? To express, number six, my fear of you. I fear you, God. I fear you. I worshipfully fear you. This is not a fear that makes you run away and want to hide from God it makes you drop to your knees before him in worship seventh to express my need for you God this may be my best expression of need today that I'll have I'll give you one more and you can probably think of a a hundred more why am I here to deepen my relationship with you I'm in a relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ, and I want that to grow right now. Now, I just gave you, yeah, John. The first one? Yes. It, it's not like all the other ones. It's not like the two. It's um, only because of your saving grace in my life, only because of the gospel, short version. Why am I coming before you in prayer, God? Because of your gospel. You saved me. If you hadn't saved me, I wouldn't be here, I wouldn't be doing this, wouldn't have a desire. So now I just gave you eight reasons, motivations. Now, what day do you want to focus on that? You can do that with any of these, and I'm not trying to ask a dumb question like you all. Like, well, of course, it's the wrong answer is to say uh, Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. What well, days I'm going to do that? It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I, what I do. If, if if you do everything that I've, I've look, I'm I'm an idiot, and I've I've done this. I come up with these crazy ideas what to do and I try to do them all every single day and after three days I'm like, well, this isn't going to work. <laughs> so, what can you do with eight things like that? You can um, do to this day, to that day, to this day, to that day and then rotate over again but, but don't, just the point is have some kind of expression like that at the beginning of your reading. Why am I your God? Or if you want, do all eight of them every single day. How long would it take you to say that to God meaningfully, right? We're not talking about just rote, but how long would it take you to say, God, I'm, I'm here to worship you, and I'm here to, to grow in my knowledge of you. You know, just take that much time, whatever it takes to, to motivate you, remind you of what your motivation is uh, as you come, right? Maybe a theme verse, and guys, with this, you want to tie all of this to scripture whenever you can. What about Philippians three? Look at verse Philippians three, um, chapter three, verse seven. I love this. Paul says there, whatever things were gained to me, these things I have counted lost for the sake of Christ. What does he want more than anything? What is he ready to lose everything for? Jesus. That's why I'm here. I want your son. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and I count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in Him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death in order that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. What about an Old Testament themed verse for this? You know, what if you, what if you took two minutes before you even started reading your Bible reading plan, and what if you just memorized, started memorizing Philippians 3, 7 to 11? Um, you see what I'm saying? Just something that motivates you, that helps you remember what your motivation is. How about Psalm 27? I love this. Verses 8 and 9. When you said, Seek my face... My heart said to you, Your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me nor forsake me. Wow. That's what God wants. He says, Seek my face. And the one who is in Christ, David, who was in God by faith, um, said, I'll do that. That's what I want. Daniel. Yeah, I did a lot of time.
2: God is not interested in becoming tempted because of this, even though I know that's, that's a lie. Um, what would you say is God's um, position and the method of checking your heart upon how God sees a believer in, in one of the gospel that's coming to his word daily when he feels like there doesn't? Um, uh, and there's either yeah. that way of to guilt to or that you really don't want to when you feel like you're.
0: Uh, how does God feel about that?
2: The way I kinda of push through that emotion
0: so yeah. yeah. That's a great question. Well how how do you guys find yourselves getting to it even though you don't feel like it? What do you think? Uh,
3: we're we'll going start with uh, God's means of sanctification, that you are traditionally made perfect in his sight, that you are clothed in Christ's righteousness when he puts upon you and um, his means for normal grace is to seek forgiveness. You've been forgiven of all of your sins. Forever. From the past, from the future, from today. And you come to him seeking forgiveness still because of that tender relationship that you have with God. Because you adore him and he's your father and you want to be pleasing to him. So what pleases him out of love is obedience
0: good Peter what else Ethan
3: I gotta be honest like all the time when I wake up in the morning I, I don't like I'm not focused on grace realities mm-hmm. and there's there's like an element of um, yeah there's like an element of like just I think what Jeff was saying like honest maybe maybe uh, <coughs> honest honest prayer like God I don't feel like getting any word yeah. I know, like, I need your word because, like, there's there's a disparity between, like, what you're asking of me and who you are and who I, like, who I understand you to be right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, so this, this may be a totally radical one, so we call it a <laughs> afterwards. But, but, but there's, there's, like, a of, like I'm, I'm going to, like, bring this to you, God, and I'm mm-hmm. not getting any word. Um, yeah, I guess it's kind of like a like a fake it till you make it sort of thing. I mean, like you generally you you, you want this, but like there's not a yeah. it's not a passionate like. Yeah. Oh god, you're so good this morning, and I just I can't wait to get to work because like that's not how I am. Yeah. Like honestly, like and and,
0: I, there's, and you're the only one.
1: No, I, no, okay. I just I want to point out that I didn't mean what you said <laughs> <laughs> <Not> you. <laughs>
2: yeah Andy in um, and Desire God I've heard like three kind of like three stages of worship and one is like that fervent like you know I want to I want to meet with God and just want to worship Him and then there's the second stage where uh where you're not quite there, but you want to be there, and, and God is honored by that as well. And then there's um, then there's a, the last stage where it's like I don't want to read, I don't want to read my Bible, I don't want to worship God, and it may be because of sin or whatever reason, but um, I'm in I'm in despair because of that condition that I'm in, and so I think any of those reasons are good reasons to. Read your Bible, mm-hmm. um, and and like like no matter how no matter how I'm feeling, um, God's Word has the power to alter that as That's it's written through it. Right. So right. uh, if I if I'm not feeling like it, then I probably should read it anyway. exactly Right? Yeah, Jerry.
1: See,
0: for me, a lot of times when I feel like that every morning. It's because I, my mind is focused on things that mm-hmm. maybe I shouldn't be thinking about. Mm-hmm.
1: And
2: uh, things that I'm worried about are concerns. And that's where you know I have to force myself to get into God's word. And I hate to say it that way,
1: but
0: sometimes mm-hmm. it feels like that. And as I do, um, I also have to check myself to not just read it real quick like a novel, because there's a mm-hmm. great truth that
1: I'm going to carry me through the day and I'll just keep them with me. That's right. So, That's good. I notice when I'm like
0: that, it's because there's an inward problem
3: inside of yeah. me. Yeah, absolutely. Tom? I, yeah, I think the homework from last week uh, is a great place to continue to take your brain until you naturally uh, remember more often the truth about who God is and who it is that you going to uh, I know for myself that my disciplines sort have of grown. I believe they've grown because my knowledge of who at the core of God is and the type of God that He is is what wakes me up with a desire to go to the Word. And I think that only comes from discipline. So take your homework and keep going back to it. Because I need to remember. It's like the reason I sin when I sin. It's because I've forgotten who God is. And I need to
2: keep that from who He is.
0: Yeah. If, if anybody understands that you are still in a condition where there can be coldness of heart, if there's anybody who knows that and understands that, it would be the one who made that new condition. For whatever reason, in His wisdom, to, to make you into a creature who now can fight against coldness of heart. Um, he understands that there are going to be days you're going to wake up and you're going to feel very cold towards Him. And He has given you a means to thaw that out. And that can be the Word of God. Prim- it's the Word of God primarily. Um, you can take other tools like um, Valley of Vision, a collection of uh, prayers from Puritans who... Uh, They're copied down, written down at the ends of sermons and parts of sermons from the past. And you can take somebody else's prayers and you can recite them um, to God when you feel like, God, I'm so cold in heart right now, I don't even know what I'd say to you. But these are some really good words that I'd like to say. Lord, I wish these were mine. I wish I'd thought of these. Um, But I'm going to make them become mine now. Just humble yourself before God and and start the spiritual discipline and let God's word thaw you out and change your desires and that's why I say the key ingredient to this is time. If you think it's got to happen right now, uh, it may not happen um, for some time. But that's why you've got to you've got to carve out some time and you've got to be ready to go with that. So there's your motivations that you can. Uh, use to help motivate you as you get into the Word of God. I encourage you to, to as you're reading through your Bible and you see a verse is like, oh man, that that reveals God to me in a way that makes me want to come to the Bible, write that one down and use that as a motivation to come to the Bible, okay, use scripture. Let me give you a second key thing that needs to be a part of um, your time in the word. Um, and that's just meditating on the gospel. And I want to do this every day, personally. Whether or not it happens every day um, is to be discovered each week. But there needs to be some kind of element. That's number two, the centrality of the gospel as I shepherd my heart. And I have a whole list of passages there in which you can um, start a long list. I tried to take Romans 6, And I try to put it in every single day. So I'll take, um, like, I'll divide it into seven parts, that chapter. And I'll do verses 1 to 4, and then verses 5 to 8, and verses 9 to 12, and and, and whatnot, until I've gone through the whole chapter. Because each week I want to be thinking through Romans 6. That's just been a a chapter that's changed me. And then I've made a list of other passages that I want to meditate on. Now, um, I think I counted as like 18 or maybe 19 of them there. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 21, you might want to split that one up. Um, Colossians 3, 1 to 11, you might want to go 3, 1 to 4, and then 5 to 11. Um, but you want to take those passages, and in your spiritual discipline, what you're doing is you're, okay, you got seven days, let's say, let's say you came up with 21. Okay? Well, how do you want to do that? How about, here's some options for you do three a day, meditate on three passages a day. Um, Or go like this. This is one Monday, one Tuesday, one Wednesday, one Thursday, one Friday, one Saturday, one Sunday. And then you've got a whole nother one of these. That's what? Two Monday. The second set of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And a third one. And you just take one each day. Um, It depends on how much time you have. It depends on how ambitious you are. It depends on how much you want to fill up your time praying. Guys, when you're done seeing this, you're going to see that you can... Uh, you're gonna. You can easily pray for an hour. You can easily pray for an hour, John.
3: Yeah.
2: That's
0: yeah. This is your reading plan. Great. Thank you, John. This is like your reading plan. Okay. This is like. This is what I think of. I'm 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 doing whatever my reading is that I'm doing.
2: Okay. And the gospel is different
0: passages that point the gospel. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you might do it before you start reading. You're, you just put it wherever you want in your in your discipline. For instance, go to Titus 3, verse 3. I'll, I'll let you look at that one. This is one of my favorite ones. And what you do, what here's what I do. Don't feel locked into doing this, but I mean, this just becomes, you know, I try to take these verses and I try to turn them into me talking to God. A prayer, right? Um, so... For example, Lord, verse three, I, I was, I was, I was a foolish young man. I was disobedient to you. I was deceived in my heart. I was enslaved to various lusts and pleasures. I spent my life in malice and envy. I was a hateful young man. I was hating others. But when the kindness, your kindness, my Savior, and your love for me appeared. You saved me. You saved me. I mean, you're just turning these words into your words, into a prayer, and you're just meditating on the gospel as it applies to you. How long does that take you to do that section? I don't know, a couple minutes, maybe? Maybe 10 minutes? Maybe it becomes 15 minutes? Who knows? Who cares? Let it take the time that it should take, that it needs to take. Divide those up, spread them out. You've got all kinds of passages. Look, I I didn't even put down Isaiah 53. You can go to the Old Testament and find the gospel of a substitute dying in the place. I I put it there at the beginning. um, Meditate on, preach to yourself the gospel in the presence of God in prayer. Use number two, the gospel of Jesus from our first lesson. Uh, Do you guys remember that? You can go back to... um, on, on September 8th when we first started that big long one we did on, on the gospel you can use section 2 on that on the gospel to find other passages to, to, to meditate on Okay, so divide them up and then I, at the bottom of page 2 there I think it's at the bottom of your page 2 I put a little paragraph why am I doing this I, I actually okay, I'm, I'm just trying to be transparent with you this is actually what I say why am I even doing this with the gospel these are my words to God it's your power in the gospel of Jesus that has made me what I am in your sight. So rehearsing the gospel again today, it allows me to prayerfully communicate to you that I love your work in my life through Jesus and that I'm interested in learning more of your work through Christ in me. There are treasures in the gospel of Jesus that I have yet to discover in my own life and I crave to find them. This is also an opportunity for me to boast in Christ You can cross out in before you because of what the gospel has achieved in my life and if I stagger today under the weight of my sin the gospel will buoy me and provide me the gospel rest I need and if I'm in a moment of gospel growth and success rehearsing the gospel will lead me to humbly acknowledge that all the credit goes to you so the gospel just it's an opportunity just to reorient your life okay Um, what's another thing I like to focus on number three that I would encourage you to think about It would be, number three, the truth about sin. And and this I'm talking about sin in general. Now, what days of the week do you want to do that? And I'm kidding, guys. It's okay to say, I'm going to do that every other day. It's okay to say that, okay? But let's say you you decided, uh, for whatever sake you're going to do, you're going to do it every day. I'm going to take a little bit of time. And I'm going to focus on what the Bible says about sin just in general. Not about a specific sin in my life. yet yeah, we're going to get to that. But just sin in general. Okay? And you do it every day. All right. What, what's, the, the, what's going on here? I, I love this quote from Spurgeon. Light thoughts of sin breed light thoughts of the Savior. Mm-hmm. I want to think rightly about sin, so I think rightly about Jesus. If sin is no big deal, then what Jesus did was no big deal. If sin is wicked, then what Jesus did is amazing. So I have four different statements that I think of in regards to my sin that I try to remind myself of frequently, and here they are. Number one, my sin is offensive to God. My sin offends God. I, you may go, duh. Well, I'm sorry, but I need that duh. I really do. I need to remind myself. I deceive myself that sin is It's not that big a deal. Now God is offended by my sin. I gave you a whole bunch of passages there that you can look at. Can I show you one that kind of uh, shocked me? Go to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, verse 4. I remember when I was reading through Mark and I saw it. Here's the setting. Jesus entered a synagogue. A man was there whose hand was withered and they were watching him. Why were they watching him? They were going to see if he would heal them on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. So Jesus said to the man with the withered hand, Get up, come forward. And then he said to them, all those watching him, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? To save a life or to kill? And they kept silent because they knew they had been bested. Right? Now watch this. This is Jesus. What does he say? Or what does it say about him? After looking around at them with what? anger. Jesus was angry. Grieved at their hardness of heart. Listen guys, um, my sin angers and grieves the Savior. It does. I need to remind myself of that. My sin is offensive to God. Number two, my sin is powerful to entangle me. Um, The Old Testament saint felt this way. David felt this way in Psalm 19. Uh, Listen to this. Turn there if you can, if you can catch up with me. Psalm 19, verse 13. He says, also, keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. So he felt like sin, unchecked, would just get him and dominate him. Uh, Look at Isaiah 40. Or I'm sorry, Psalm 40, not Isaiah. Psalm 40, verse 11. Same type of idea. You, O Lord, will not withhold your compassion from me. Your loving kindness and your truth will continually preserve me because evils beyond number have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me so that I am not able to see. They're more numerous than the hairs of my head and my heart has failed me. Uh, That's the way the Old Testament saints felt about his sin, that it could just overwhelm him and trip him up and bring him down. And we know what the writer of Hebrews felt about his sin, about our sin. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so what? Easily entangles us. I need to remind myself that sin still has power to entangle me. Now, what has changed in regards to my relationship with sin? What has changed? That will never occur again. What? I can never be a slave to it again. I will never be enslaved to sin in the manner that I was before I came to know Christ. But what can still happen? I can get tripped up in sin. I can become entangled in it. I can be overwhelmed by it. That's this mixed condition. And that is a very different thing than being a slave to sin like I was before. I need to remind myself that sin still has power to entangle me. Right? So sin is offensive to God, sin is powerful to entangle me. Sin is dangerous to me. Look, sin would what would it look at this. Go to Matthew 5. What does Jesus say? Matthew 5:29 to 30. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you, for it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off, throw it from you, for it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than your whole body to go into hell. Sin is dangerous. Jesus says it's so dangerous, radically it from your life. It's better to have that than to go to hell. Sin is not a toy to play with. It's not a, it's not a mistake. It will kill you. And apart from Jesus, you'll perish in hell forever because of it. I need to remind myself of that. My sin is offensive to God. My sin is powerful to entangle me. My sin is dangerous to me. Lastly, my sin is deceptive to me, concerning all the things above. You know what sin deceives me about? God's not that offended. You know what sin deceives me? It's not going to trip you up. Just, just play with it a little bit. Sin says it's not. I'm not that dangerous. Sin deceives me. Look at Matthew 7. You're close, right? Look at Matthew 7, verses 3 to 5. Here's one way sin deceives me. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice that the log is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. What does sin do? It deceives you into thinking that what your problem is is nothing, and what their problem is is big, and it's just the opposite. So sin is deceptive. I think it's important sometime throughout your week, throughout your discipline, to um, focus on what God's Word says about sin in your life. Now, why do you do this? Down at the bottom there. Why must I rehearse this about my sin? If I do not fight to have Scripture's view of my sin, I will easily be duped by sin's deception today. And I will become unaware of sin's nearness to me. Now watch this chain of reaction. If I am not aware that sin is near to me, I will then be vulnerable to sin's entanglements. And then sin at that point can become familiar to me, even tolerable to me, and then sin can even become a delight to me. And Before I know it, I'm in a position of weakness with sin where I'll be in the fight of my life to be free from its entanglements or I will be defensive about my sin when somebody comes tells me about it. If I do nothing about my view of sin, my view of sin only grows cloudy. I think it's important at some point in your spiritual discipline to remind yourself what the Bible says about sin in general. Um, let me give you another one. Something else to think about in your spiritual discipline. How about the truth of the blessings of obedience? Now let's say you decide, this is a new one that I've added. I'm just going to put obedience in each one. okay? And again, what if you decided to do this four times a week, two times a week, um, are you less godly? No. Do, do it as often as you can. I like starting this way, putting it everywhere, because then when you start to see what it's going to take to do all of this, you go, yeah, I'm going to have to back off on some of this. I'm going to change that to an everyday thing to a every other day thing or something like that. And what do I mean by this? Bless um, the blessings of obedience? I have a tendency to focus so much more so on sin and what I do wrong I'll go to the gospel, and I'm okay because I recover in the gospel, and then I sin again. And so I focus on sin, and I go to the gospel, and that's my life. That's who I am. And that's not who I am in totality. I am one who now can obey. And I need to not just think about my disobedience. I need to think about obedience before it even happens. So, I came up with this category. Proverbs is loaded with this. How about... um, Oh, let's go to Proverbs 16 for just a moment. You can look at all of these on your own and and obviously you can go way beyond Proverbs. And this is only from Proverbs 13 to about Proverbs 22. I just took that section there. Um, But go to Proverbs 16. Watch this. Um, Verse 6. By loving kindness and truth, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. There's a blessing in fearing God. I'll keep away from evil. I need to tell myself that. I'll stay away from evil today if I fear God. How about verse 7? When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. There's a temporal blessing. If, if I have my way pleasing to you, God, even my enemies will be at peace with me. Not in every case, but that's the general principle. right? What about verse 17? The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He who watches his way preserves his life. What a blessing. Watch your way, guys, and you preserve your life. What a blessing from God for those who obey. What about um, verse 20? He who gives attention to the word will find good and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord there's blessing for the one who obeys now why on earth would I want to focus on that here's my rationale why must I rehearse this about obedience and righteousness and holiness in the new man you have created a desire for obedience I'm saying that to God right in the new man you have created a desire for obedience Romans 6.17 in fact pause right there go to Romans 6.17 I want you to see this Romans 6, verse 17. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves to sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. He's telling you what you've become. So in the new man, God, that you created, you create a desire for obedience. I need to consistently feed that new God-given desire in my new condition so that it grows. If I do not rehearse to myself what the blessings of obedience are, I should not expect my desire for obedience to grow. Never think about obedience and all the blessings that go with it. Well, why would you find yourself endeared to obedience? The only way you become endeared to obedience is to think about it. Indwelling sin will do everything possible to quench that desire for obedience, so I must fight to overcome it. Look, here's, here's the deal in your new mixed condition. You're starving sin and sinful desire, and you're what? Feeding new desires. And God gave you a new desire for obedience, so feed it. Tell it what it loves. Set before yourself, tempt yourself going into the day, these are the blessings of obedience. God, I'm stepping into it today and I've got all kinds of challenges at school, at work, and there's all of the the, the trip-ups and the entanglements that are there. Here are the blessings for obedience. Tempt yourself with the blessings of obedience. It's a good thing. How about another one? Now let's talk about number five, sin specifically. By the way, where's your your aunt's um, broken toe that you're praying for? It's coming, right? But what do we think of when we pray? Uh, I gotta pray for requests. We're we're, get, we're gonna get there, okay? Sin. This is now specific. Now, should you do this every day or every other day or whatever? That's for you to decide and and think about. If you have a week go by where you haven't given um, thought to specific sin in your life that you're trying to repent of, there's probably something out of line, okay? Do you understand? And I can tell you guys, it happens to me that I, I will go through weeks, and my thought will be, I'll think about specific sin in my life. It'll come to my mind, and I'll be like, Yeah, God, I'm really sorry for that. Like, the gospel, yes, the gospel. I'm forgiven. And um, what could I take off that? take that sin off, and I'll put a, a, an obedience on. Um, okay, I won't be angry towards my children. Instead, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be gentle. To, I'll say. And that's happening as I drive and turn left and pull in and find a parking spot. And that's okay. Have those times. But I think during the week, you need to have time where you're specifically isolating a sin in your life. And I'm going to take you through something that on its own right here, it will take you quite a while to do. So again, your job is to figure out how am I going to fit this into my spiritual discipline, not for each day necessarily, but in general. As just as a man of God, okay. So, what do you need to do? You, this another way to put this would be, um, what does genuine biblical repentance look like? How about this? Number one, how would I initially describe the issue, quote, or the sin that I'm facing? Have you ever noticed this? My wife comes to me, she goes, okay, what's wrong with you right now? Here's what I've said, I'm just frustrated. I'm frustrated. That's my favorite word. It used to be my favorite word. Because you cannot go to Scripture and find it. Isn't that convenient? You can't tell me to repent. You can't tell me it's sin. Okay, so call the issue whatever it is. Okay, I'll grant it to you for now. You're frustrated. Great. Now. Just identify what it is. Step number one. That's what number one is. As you understand the issue or sin right now, call it what you believe it to be. Your understanding of it will grow and you'll become more accurate as you examine scripture and pray. This is just a place to begin. You have to call it what you currently understand it to be. If you don't want to find out what frustration really is, leave now. okay? Because your world is going to be rocked like mine was. I'm going to use myself as an example. Number two. What does God think about this sin? Okay. I go to the Bible and I go, oops, I don't see frustration anywhere, but I see a lot of other things that sound like and look like what this thing is. Actually, what God says it is is um, this is this is anger. This is anger in my life towards my children and towards my wife. Okay, how does God portray Himself in contrast to the sin? That's number two. Um, Look at this paragraph. You're trying to see this sin as God does through Scripture. It is more important to see it as He does than remain in your current limited understanding of it. If I stay in a place where all I think of it is, is I'm just frustrated, and my wife says to my kids, Kids, it's okay. Daddy's just frustrated. That doesn't do them any good. That doesn't do me any good. There's no hope for any change in that. But when mommy says, "Um, Kids, daddy's angry. And he's in sin. There's hope, because we finally called it what it is. You especially want to see it in the light of his nature and his being. You want to see how divergent anger is, for example, in comparison to God himself. This preps you for confession of sin. Again, you don't have to confess frustration. But you do have to confess, I do have to confess anger. So even begin to start confessing your sin as you discover the hideousness of your sin in contrast to God. I can remember when I came to the realization that, oh my goodness, this is anger. Oh, God, please forgive me. I'm an angry man. I have anger in my heart and all it takes is for my kids to do homework and it comes out because they don't do homework the way I think they should do homework. And God, you've actually, this is from you to show me where anger comes from. It comes from my heart. It preps me for con- Confession. Remember to confess sin means to agree with God about your sin. Call this sin what it is. Use biblical language. Meditate on scriptures that call this sin what it is, or put, uh, or that put God in stark contrast to that sin. God, you are slow to anger. Meditate on that passage. You are slow to anger, and He, when He's angry, He's not angry in a sinful way like I am. He's righteously angry, but He's still slow to anger. Who had a hand up? Anybody? I did okay, and you can do that with anything. Impatient, God's patient. Um, whatever you know. Number three, what has God? Okay, so you understand what you've done. Okay, I'm isolating. I'm trying. To, I'm just grabbing it for what I understand it to be. Number two, what does God call it? What does He think of it? Number three, what has God done for me in the gospel concerning this sin? And here you're thinking about positional gospel realities. You're thinking about conversion realities. You preach to yourself these gospel realities. Mm-hmm. See this sin in yourself rightly in light of the finished work of Jesus at the cross, okay? And I will refer you back to number two in that first lesson we did on September 8th, the gospel of Jesus. Allow confession of sin to continue here in light of what God has done for you in the gospel of Jesus. You are righteous in God's sight only on the basis of faith in Jesus. Expressions of gratefulness and worship and humility and joy are appropriate at this point in your confession and your meditating on the gospel. Um, We had that one statement in um, that lesson, number two, in the gospel of Jesus, that I believe my penalty was paid by a substitute to atone for my sin. That's what you do. I believe that the penalty for my anger, God, was paid by your son, the substitute, to atone for my sin of anger. I believe that. Walk through what expiation is, the taking away of guilt and sin to walk through how God satisfied his own wrath against my my anger. You walk through all of those key kinds of words. You redeemed me with the price of your son's blood. You reconciled me to yourself. I was an angry man, angry, offensive against you, and you've reconciled me to you through the blood of your son. You see, you're bringing the gospel to bear. You're reminding yourself of what God has done that you may have forgotten. You're resting in that. Number four, you're not done with the gospel. Number four, what has God done for me in the gospel so that I can fight this sin? You see, number three is more on positional kinds of realities that are true in the gospel. But now, what has the gospel provided for you practically um, so that you can fight against this sin? And you can use number three in that first lesson on who you are in Jesus. Um, As a result of union with Christ, crucified, raised, and ascended, my relationship with both sin and Jesus has been fundamentally altered. Okay, I'm no longer a slave to anger. I'm not a slave to anger anymore. I'm choosing it for whatever reason right now, like an idiot, but I'm not a slave to it anymore. Rather, I've become a slave of God, a slave of righteousness, a slave of obedience. And this new condition I'm in is radically different from the old condition in which I was a slave sin only this new man this new creation it comes equipped by god to be able to lay aside anger guys i can i can i can lay aside anger why because i'm really smart no because god made me into a new creature that comes equipped with the capacity to do that and i can put on patience i can put on gentleness rehearsing these gospel benefits is called renewing your mind it's called setting your mind on the things above where Christ is confession of sin must run into this part you can't look you can't just look at your kids and go look I'm sorry honey I, I'm sorry that's not confession of sin and that's not repentance and it completely misses the gospel and believe me I've done all of this um, try to find the shortcut out of the discomfort of Being caught in my sin. Confession of sin must run into the rehearsal of these gospel benefits. Now, at this point, through number four on this, I haven't done anything. I have not done actually anything as my daughter is doing her homework. I'm just doing a lot of battle for the mind. Number five, though. Now, what are the gospel empowered commands for me as I fight for obedience? Now I'm ready to set some commands before me from Jesus. Watch in Scripture for both commands to put off anger and for commands to put on righteous behavior, the opposite of anger. Both of them are necessary. The new condition we are in by God's grace and the gospel is equipped with power and desire to do just this. Trust God by obeying these commands from Scripture. Look at the the bottom line. I I was at the women's ministry last night, the meeting, and we talked about this for them. Talk about it with you. At the end of the day, you can rehearse through all of these wonderful gospel realities and then there's your daughter sitting there doing her homework. She's doing it just like she always does it that just stirs up and brings out and I reveals to me my anger. And I know all of this to be true. What has to happen? Am I now no longer an angry man yet? When do I become a man who's no longer angry? when when I walk over the table where she's doing her work and I'm patient now I'm no longer an angry man you see confession and repentance does not end until I've done that and I've borne fruit in keeping with that I can sit there all day and go I'm gospel centered about my anger and then go blow up on my daughter in anger again and then come back and no, I'm just so sorry God the gospel the gospel the gospel the gospel boom blow up on her again that's not repentance it's not repentance repentance is when I finally go over and I trust God as I cross the line from my meditation into action I cross the line and I look back and I say I trust you God that everything you said is true there and I can do this now I choose patience I choose gentleness I choose humility I choose whatever and I do that you pick your sin okay? and number six what other sins oh wait you're not done reading this yet Um, trust God by obeying these commands meditate on these commands trust God's promise in the gospel that you are a new creation capable of obeying Jesus and saying no to sin trust that more than you trust how you currently feel look how many times do you go into a situation and you actually feel now like you don't want to look you don't trust what you feel at all right I mean you trust what the gospel says number six what are other sins? Uh, what other sins have surfaced in light of my um, fight against this sin? Do you know what I found out? Okay, here's uh, just thinking and meditating on my anger just a little bit. Here's what I came to the conclusion of. Okay, that means I've pretty much set myself as the center of my universe. And what's really going on is she's not doing things my way. That's arrogance. Great. It used to just be frustration, and nobody could tell me what to do. And now it's anger and now there's pride. So now I need to go on a hunt for what... Now I start all over again with pride. Look, guys, you'd never leave your house if you did this on every sin. You'd never leave your house. And you know what? The world might be a better place. I don't know. But look, this this in some way, some form, sin-specific, you need to carve out something in your life, in your week, where you're... Addressing sin like this and you don't stop until you're putting off sin and putting on righteousness. Do you understand? And this is shepherding your heart. Okay? Number six. And then you want to pray for people. You've got requests. You've got your household. Okay? Um, how do you want to pray for them? Well, I'll... I pray for my immediate household each day. And I have extended family that I, I pray for. So put that there, put that there, put that there. Okay. Um, what else? Oh, how about you pray for the lost, right? You're praying for people. And some of that is within your household, maybe, and, or extended family. You're praying for the lost each day. Right, um, you're praying for your work relationships and challenges and school settings, and so you're you're thinking the different arenas of life you go. So you got school and work, you got school and work, you got school. Maybe you're going to do that each day. You're going to divide the people out, so the situations that you're facing, divide it out over seven, or if you've got so many, you may divide it out over 14. Right, so that each day for 14 different times you're praying something a little bit different for school and for work and so forth. Um, right and so forth do you see how this keeps going Grace Bible Church you're going to pray for Scott Maxwell every single day (laughs) (laughs) put my name on your list you pray and, and there's so much to pray for in regards to your church you're praying for your elders you're praying for ministry leaders you're praying for the ministries themselves you're praying you're praying for your small group your small group, you got to take all of the names in your small group and divide them out over however many days you need to. And you have it in your on your iPad in such a way or on your device so that when you're sitting there in small group you can type it right back in or you got it in your journal and you can write it down. Listen, none of this stuff where you're finding this old piece of paper oh I remember that receipt. Yeah. Here, let me write down that prayer request. What was that again? I'll put that in I'll put that in my pocket. Okay. The next thing you know, it's in the wash and you never, you have no idea what it was. Find a way to be more responsible in your care for one another so you can pray for each other, right? Divide all these things out. How about this? Can I give you another one? Uh, you read a book on parenting. And as you're reading it, you're just being like, Oh my goodness, there's things I want to I, I want to strengthen. So maybe you take quotes out of it and you turn them into prayers. Take your reading and turn them into prayers. Let's say you read something on marriage you're like, I need to change my marriage. And here's some prayer requests. Take those and figure out where can I incorporate those quotes. Maybe Sundays is just going to be, I'll, I'll put them on Sundays, whatever. Okay? Yes, Jeff.
1: Well, I felt very compelled to interrupt. And I think it's very important. And Scott kind of mentioned it with a little tone of sarcasm. And I know it's it's so important. It's so important for all of us. and. We're learning this but to pray for him every day, to pray for all of the elders. And if you don't you could do it Scott's way, he does it one at a time and he breaks that down and it's a different method, but I know these these guys job as our pastors and our elders is to to study scripture and pray and teach us and it's 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 of so much importance that um, I just had to get up here and interrupt this, and, and thank you so much for that. And um, it's their that their job doesn't become just their job, that they still take their hearts to God. And Scott asked me where my son was, and I don't know where he is, but you know what? I'm I am sure he had something more important to do, like spend time with his wife or his kids, and and pray and study. So. We need to continue to do that. And I would say that's something we want to put on there in some way every day. And well, thank you so much. Thank and you. I've never had anybody hijack my- the... the, the <laughs> you know what? I'm old, so I can do
0: that. I'm, I, you know, I wasn't even troubled as you, as you sat up. Yeah, thank you. That was very kind. You're very kind. Um, now, let me, let, me, let, me wrap, let me wrap this up. Let me ask you this. I know it takes me about 20 minutes minimum, minimum to do my four chapters of reading. Let's say you spend, I'm going to go really conservative, small, nothing small. Let's say you take two minutes on the gospel, two minutes on just thinking about sin in general, two minutes on obedience, two minutes on sin specific, two minutes, two minutes, two minutes, two minutes. Two minutes. You have now today no reason to say when you go to pray. I don't know what to pray for. I don't know what to pray for. I feel like I should pray for an hour, and I have—I don't even know where to start in this first minute. God, it would—I'm just going to go to work. You've got look, and that's if you did it every day. Look, you—you you can't. If you took 10 minutes on each one of these things, that's not a ton of time. But if you took 10 minutes. You need a lot of time. And I'm not trying to tell you where godliness is and time is. this much time and this much time. You go figure it out. And, and look, I've only given you some things to think about here. You may not even want to do some of this. And you may have better ideas and other ideas. The point is, look, if I wanted to bring you to the edge of something and look at it. And now you go with God and you figure out what it looks like for you. But I'm telling you what. 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, plus 20. That's 36 minutes of having spent time in a discipline called shepherding your heart. And that's easy. That's easy to do. And you need to carve time out. You need to carve time out. Okay? Now, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. One bite at a time. You are not tomorrow going to wake up and do all of this perfectly. You, In fact, you're only going to reach great... Points of discouragement in the days to come. Listen to me. You are going to be greatly discouraged by your inability to be consistent. You already are. You haven't even kept up with your reading plan like you wanted to probably, right? Look, this is where, this is where we come and we just encourage each other and say, we gotta keep fighting for this, guys. We gotta keep fighting for this. But you, I wanna be a man like this. I need to be a man like this. You need to be a man. And it's not impossible to sit there and go, "What am I going to do?" And I open up my Bible. Okay. Any closing thoughts, Elder Tom? You got any ideas? No. Oh well, praise God. Let's pray. Let's get out of here. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the chance to be together. Lord, I really do pray that these men would find that you would lead them. And that they would plead with you to lead them into um, specific ways that they can shepherd their own hearts in the spiritual discipline, Lord. And I pray that it would look just like you want it to look for them. I pray, God, that they would find a freedom and a, a joy. I pray that they would be encouraged this morning, that there are actually things that they can do. Thoughts beyond what we've talked about here, Lord, that would tempt them to want to go organize and redo their prayer and, and reading discipline to come up with something new and fresh. Lord, I pray for them when they, when they hit the wall in a matter of days or weeks with this, when they're discouraged, I pray, God, that they would not do any of this to try to earn favor with you or to make you pleased with them um, because your son Jesus gained all the pleasure for us in your sight. And yet we as your children bring a degree of pleasure in our sanctification as we obey you and our disobedience is not pleasing to you and you discipline us and you correct us so that we might be holy and share in your holiness so lord help us to hold this in balance we do not do this to earn your favor but we do it to now want to express love for you jesus said if you have my commandments and you keep them you are the one who loves me lord help us to just be obedient even in the spiritual discipline to you Um, Thank you for these men. Bless them as they go forward into their day. And uh, Lord, we look forward to being able to be together tomorrow as the body of Christ. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys so much for coming. See you in two weeks.